Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the longest running Bigfoot podcast on Blog Talk Radio. The original Squatch Detective Radio featuring your host, Steve Coles and Chris Bennett. Three decades of Bigfoot research, two decades of Bigfoot radio. Here we go. 911, what are you reporting? Uh, we got someone or something crawling around out here. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, this isn't a man. And the whole time, the whole thing was shadowing us, right behind us, right on the side of us. You could, you could kind of see the thing moving through the woods. There are thousands of perfect people whose word would be good on any other subject who describe getting a good look at an enormous hair-covered upright animal, and that is a fact. And good evening, cyberspace for Squatch Detective Radio for today's date, November 18th, 2018. I'm your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective Steve Coles, along with, well, my man who's got the candy man, I'll call him today, Mr. Chris Bennett. How are you, Chris? <laughs> ah, Steve, I'm doing well, man. We've been enjoying some nice, warm weather. I mean, here it is. We're, we're, we're close to, we're, we're coming up on the 21st of the uh, next month, but uh, fall, we're well into fall here, so we, uh, we've we been having some uh, really, really cool weather. But today, I mean, man, we were up in the 60s, and I'm like uh, walking around outside, enjoying myself. It's probably going to be the last warm day we have for a while, but <laughs> but uh, really enjoy this warm weather. Do me a fa- favor, send it my way. <laughs> I think we're yeah, down to like yeah, 28 well, degrees today. <laughs> oh, man. So we, oh, man, if it we, was possible, we, yeah. <laughs> We're we're in winter here, so. <laughs> mhm. Uh, yeah. Well, we've been having some cool cool nights. You know, we've been out in thirties, and then we had uh, one. I think uh, we got down to around twenty two or so. So uh, yeah, we we definitely had a few heaters on there. I turned on a few extra Bitcoin miners for good measure. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the only thing those things are good for heat, you know. But uh, yep. they do work. But now if uh, if it if it stays like it uh, has been today, man, I would be tickled. It'd be fine, you know. But uh, that's okay, though. You know, you can't have a summer all year, and uh, I, I expect some cold weather here. But uh, and let's, uh, you know, Dig- Digger reminded us of something. Our good friend Digger out in the chat room reminded us of something, and yeah. I want to wish my, my prayers to everybody out there in California. Uh, you know, yeah. he was just telling right now, seventy-one dead, over a thousand plus wow. accounted for. Um, wow. Let's hope those thousand get accounted for. Um, yeah. I know that death toll is probably going to rise some more out of that, but uh, just what a tragedy! And you know, how does this happen in this day and age? I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, well, be um, safe, Digger, because uh, I mean, he said he's been smelling smoke. You know, you can't go outside; it's so smoky where he's at now. So just be careful, man. If it gets close, you know, get the heck out of there. Don't try to stuff it out. <laughs> get the heck out of there. Wait for rain. Oh, man. Unreal. But, uh, really bad luck. Uh, California's really been having a lot of uh, fires this year, a lot. And uh, also there was, um, oh, uh, or was it, um, 
there's a place out uh, near uh, Battle Mountain, Nevada, and I was planning on going there uh, this summer had my back been in better shape than I did. I didn't go anyway, but they had a um, a little uh, uh, campsite there. Uh, gosh, what was the name of that place? Uh, it's about 20 miles south of Battle Mountain, uh, Nevada. And uh, they had, I think it was like, I don't know, uh, seven or eight square miles burnt out there in the middle of the desert, you know. And uh, when you yeah, get those kind of fires, it's, it's already dry, and you got all that dry brush and dried grass, man. It just, you know, woof. And I reckon they even closed down the camping area anyway, so I didn't didn't miss out on anything. But yeah, uh, yeah a lot, a lot of fires this year, a lot. Yeah. And uh, who knows, you know, not only do you have the toll on. Uh, 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 the, the toll is unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Just not only you think about the loss of life, but the property loss, um, the um, the uh, you know the the loss of the ecology, the loss of mm. the wildlife that is there. I mean, just when you think right. about that, the toll is just tremendous. But yeah. tonight, um, I want to take the opportunity to take a little trip down memory lane. Um, haven't done this in a long time. But yeah. uh, for those who don't know, uh, this radio show. And, and by the way, next week we have a, a we're going to have a fun guest lined up. Uh, Susie Mateus from the Bigfoot Community. She's the one who started the Bigfoot Community Facebook page. And mm-hmm. um, you know, God bless her for for doing that. There's a lot, a lot They're of differing opinions. A lot of differing opinions there, and somehow they managed to keep it all under control for the most part. So uh, yeah. pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty. In- so it'll be fun talking to her. She uh, she used to live out in California, and she just yeah. recently moved to Oklahoma. So it'll be kind of interesting catching up with her and seeing where her research and stuff is going. So really fun time. Cool. Uh, and and she's got a great sense of humor. And little known fact, um, I I met her actually um, when uh, Dyer was trying to play the second hoax, and I went out to California. It was actually Susie that picked me up at the airport. And, of course, uh-huh. we didn't fall for Mr. Dyer's little gag. And we ended up having cocktails at a bar and then going out to In-N-Out Burger with her and, um, um, oh, oh, my goodness, I'm, gonna, I'm kicking myself. I forgot his name. But uh, he's another great, another, another great guy, of course. You know, I, I, uh, the conversation took a turn where I wasn't expecting it. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, great, great, great times. Um but yeah, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we've been on the born on date of Squatch Detective Radio was September twenty fourth, two thousand six, and if that put, wow. puts it into perspective, that was only five. That that was a little over five years after nine eleven, and how yeah. far away was it's nine eleven now? I mean, it seems like ages yeah. ago, but um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's it's been a wild ride here. Um, Last week we we had a we uh, we had a little bit of fun last week when we uh, we uh, had that little gaggle of folks or uh, probably only one or two people behind it, but um, <laughs> but uh, yes and, and and they have they have come in every once in a while and done that to us and uh, we yeah. we know what to come and expect and, and like when the guy was saying he had a story for us I was half expecting it and uh, <laughs> that that was that. And uh, hopefully he still has his pants on. I I, I hope. I hope. Uh, 
Um, yeah, or he's got another pair, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least a new pair of pants. Um, mm-hmm. and, hope, and hopefully a new marriage. Um, yeah. But <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I digress. Um, but, we, you know, over the years, um, there's so many folks uh, that, that have come on to this radio show uh, a lot of whom you know, who you've met through this radio show too, too, Chris. I mean, we've had um, mm-hmm. Chuck Prawl. Remember Chuck Prawl from yeah. uh, a yeah. Maryland researcher who was actually wheelchair bound and but was really a, yeah. a, a super guy. Um, right. You know, uh, uh, Philip Spencer. You know, who can yeah. forget the wild man in the Tabadad um, and his video yeah. production had done. And he'd been on a couple of times. And hello to Mike out there. I see he just came on over at Tactical Bigfoot Research. And, um, you know, we got we got to get him on sometime. He's a character. Um, uh, what else? Uh, you know, just so many to name. Indy, of course. Who can forget Indy? And, yeah. Uh, and he was a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, most recently, uh, you know, the one that's really uh, got us was this guy. And this was on his final Squatch Detective Radio appearance. Probably uh, one of the folks I've had on the most on the show. I think he was on four or five times over the years. Maybe a little bit mm-hmm. more. Maybe six. But uh, remember this voice? Uh, it's the hard-drinking, foul-mouthed, lecherous adventure man. Ah, thank you very much. I'll let you. <laughs> I'll let you give your own title. Welcome, well, JC. Good to hear from you, my brother. Always, always a pleasure to be here. Always. <laughs> and of course, JC Johnson, who I, I miss dearly. Yeah. And he yeah. was a lot of fun. And he, he did yeah. a lot of stuff out in the four corners, along with uh, Chief Leonard Dan. And uh, Leonard's still around. I got. We got to get him on the radio show sometime. Um, yeah, but JC was always the one who usually got him to uh, uh, on the show a lot of times with him, and um, yeah. you know what what a loss it was. He was always a gentleman, uh, a God fearing man, and um, he really rarely had a bad word to say about anybody. And that yeah. was probably one of his most endearing qualities. Uh, he was able to roll with the punches and go well, eh. even with people that got nasty with him. He just kind of never, never rose to the occasion to snipe back at that person. So yeah, but, um, yeah that's why I like yeah. about JC. He always he rose above that stuff. You know, uh, he would pretty much just laugh it off. One of the best sense of humor out, out of anyone that I'd ever met. He, he's a great. He was a great guy, and I really miss him. I really do. He was. He was. Uh, you know, just don't seem the same not having him. You know, with us. No, no, and we had just had him on. Uh, yeah. Just prior to, uh, you know, within five five months of him passing on, he was on the radio show. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, when he passed, it not only was it unexpected to me, uh, it was really a, a hit to me. And that doesn't happen yeah. too often. But JC and I, you know, we would talk several times throughout the year. And when we talk on the phone, just to talk on the phone, it would be for a couple mm-hmm. hours. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I really miss those quarterly chit-chats we used to have. And yeah. I remember him. He was the first one ever to talk about the Smedja case. And, uh, yeah. you know, he had Crypto Four Corners Radio, 
And we had done that that three-way radio show with Crypto Corners Radio, MNBRT right. Radio with uh, Abe Del Rio and us. And we did that that two-hour show with uh, Justin Smeha or Smedja or whatever you want to call him. Right. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so that was a fun, you know, we, that was a fun thing to do. Um, you know, it's a shame that it turned out the way it did, but it was, it was still fun nonetheless. And that's what people don't really get sometimes, I think, that uh, sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. And, you know, here was a story. Well, we had to get the story told. We had to throw the questions out there. And uh, eventually yeah. it all, like like everything else, it all comes out in the end. And, um, you know, nobody said anything uh, in this field uh, if anything I learned as an investigator is patience is a virtue, and eventually right. things will come out in the wash, always, as it did with that. Well, I with think uh, if I remember right, Steve, uh, Justin uh, Smeha, Smeha, or however he's pronounced, uh, uh, he did his uh, the first uh, show that he ever did was on Squatch Detective Radio when he came out with his story. And uh, Yeah, yeah. That was really, you know, as it turned uh, really... out. Uh, yeah, as it turned out, if I remind everybody, after they checked the DNA and stuff, everything came from a bear. <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, you know, that's that's just uh, some things you got to expect, I guess. Yeah, and you know, uh, including the blood from the boots that he was talking about that night too. So uh, yeah, very. Uh, very interesting affair. Um, hang on, I'm having a little right. technical difficulty here a second with something. All right. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that was uh, quite the show. But uh, the thing too, though, you know, when we have somebody on as a guest, we don't, uh, you know, talk them down or anything, and we're just like doing the uh, the part where you're a journalist. You just ask the questions and and let them answer, and then everybody makes up their own decision. Of course. You know, I, I, I formed my decision pretty early. I think you did too, Steve. But you know, we'll just <laughs> yep, fine. Well, you know, a lot of people don't understand that that if we sit there and we shoot down a person, or in the role of a radio show host, my job yeah. here, although I might blog and in my personal talks and stuff like that, yes, I'm an investigator through and through. Um, but uh, on the flip side, as a radio show host, if I was to publicly excoriate somebody because of their story, regardless if they were telling the truth or not, because I did not believe it or there was items, would we ever again get a guest on the radio show to tell their story? So you have to yeah. walk that fine line as a radio show host. Now, after the fact, that's fine. I can talk about it, and, I, and you know, uh, I never yeah. was – you know, I never was really, uh, never pointed the finger at Justin at all. But if people ask me personally, I would lend them my, my personal beliefs. And I believe I even lend my personal beliefs on this radio show about that, that I really don't um, uh, don't really believe, you know, that, that what, something didn't sound right in Denmark. And especially yeah. when, the, when he went on Bigfoot Bounty and the story changed. 
Right. And I think yeah. that was that was huge when he talked about. I don't know if he. I forget now. It's been so long, and I, you know. But he ended up. The thing was dying in his arms. And he ended up choking it out or something. I'm not really quite sure what. You know where. Whereas the story was completely different when we first interviewed him. So, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I just, it, uh, it seemed to change a little bit. You know, uh, so. Uh, you know, after when the, when they start changing up like that, that makes you kind of wonder when they start adding extras in to make it more dramatic. Uh, that's when that boy, that's really a red flag. You know? Well, yeah. Um, you know, I always point out with the Susan Smith story, and that was many many years ago down in South Carolina, where that woman yeah. said her car was carjacked by this black man with her two kids in the back, yeah. and they couldn't find. Right, and then they found then they found the car in the lake, and the kids were passed. But the reason right. yeah. why they knew it was her was because she was always coming up with new details. And I'm working this investigation uh, where we're trying to track this guy's time down. And this is a rather recent case, and I'm still working on this case. And, uh, yeah. and the guy said he was point A in the morning. So what does he do? He goes to the store two weeks after this supposedly happened and asked mm-hmm. the guy for a receipt. So the guy handwrites a receipt, turns it over and says, Oh, here's proof. I was there. Here's my receipt. Well, it just got written out last week. <laughs> so that's a huge glaring <laughs> sign of being guilty yeah. right there because he didn't yeah. think that myself would actually go talk to the owner of the store. And, right. Uh, right. Boy, yeah. And, and that's exactly yeah, what man. happened there. So, yeah, if he was in court and tried to use that as an alibi, I think he'd get a surprise. <laughs> oh, he worked out too good he, for him. He's in for a big surprise, I'll tell you that much, uh, uh, because I'm on the case. So, yes, and, and, yeah. and people don't realize that I do real-life investigative work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, yes, tomorrow I'm out investigating more on a fire. So <laughs> uh, I'm working a fire case. <laughs> Mm. Uh, wow. Yep. It, yep. It was uh, an indeterminate fire, and I'm on it. So you cool. know, it, it's a lot of fun, and you know, you get to know people quite a bit doing this job, and and uh, you know, nothing is like talking to somebody face to face, and you know, sometimes as you know, in this community or this field, people can be very well rehearsed, you know, but there's still little loopholes in the story, and I can. You know, the great example was the one we had Indy on, uh, going back to our good friend Steve Pickett, a.k.a. Indy, um, who, yeah. you know, uh, you know, him and I and uh, Craig Woolheater and Henry May, we did a roundtable mm-hmm. discussion, the Mr. Mike saga, we called it. And no, I don't have clips of that particular right. show. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you, you know, I remember we were us all finding the holes in the guy's story, and, and that's how it goes. And. Yeah, when Smedra changed his story, just like Bob Hieronymus, just like uh, Rick Dyer, just like Tom Biscardi about the whole Bigfoot body hoax, they changed their stories. I mean, it's glaring holes, and they don't, you know, and they backpedal. And I'm not saying Smedra did. Smedra really never said anything. He just went about his life, and rightfully yeah. so. Um, if you're gonna, if it was a hoax, which I believe it was. Um, yeah. or a, a very serious misidentification, which I don't think it was, um, you know, and you're you're done, just move on. And that's what he did. He's not going out here sniping at people like certain people will that have been caught in the past. Um, and, yeah. and then that's the, way, you know, traditional. 
Well, uh, respect, you know, with me, yeah. uh, yeah, the, the first one that he shot the, the adult, supposedly, that could have been a misidentification. I, I, I would give him that. But right. uh, on um, the, the, the little one that died in his arms, uh, you know, no, yeah. I'm sorry. It I don't give like, him that one. You know what? It sounds like the story started simple, got a more elaborate, more elaborate, more elaborate. So I don't know. Right. I, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't there. I didn't investigate it. Right. I was never boots on the ground with it. So what I'm offering up is just some, you know, uh, some subjective assessments. It's not even anything I can say is yeah. objective because I didn't investigate it. So I talked to the guy. Well, it was yeah. uh, who was it that, that did the? Was it Doctor uh, Brian Sykes that did the DNA? Uh, well, DNA testing. Well, then we get into the whole Melba Ketchum thing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was supposed to be the centerpiece of her DNA study. And then what happened was is uh, Smedger took his other sample behind, you know, and, and put it over to Sykes. And right. that was why Smedger really hated Melba Ketchum. Uh, because, yeah. or, you know, there was a lot of... Um, not acrimony is the word acrimony I'm looking for between the two, um, because they um, you, you, know, you know she was still insisting that this was the centerpiece and he was catching her he was calling her out on it and that's how right. he, why he believed her whole series of tests was garbage and it really did put a stain on the whole catching project as well. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you if you take you know of course after the fact she says oh well uh, you know. You know, whatever. Ha- why isn't the Smedja sample even in the project now? It's almost like it just got ignored. So I, I don't know. Right. I, I don't really care at this point in time. You know, we've seen in, in, in since 2006 when we started this radio show. And mind you, I was already doing Bigfoot research for seven years before I started the radio show, uh, almost yeah. eight years at that point. Um, and you know, we we've seen so many. Oh, this is it. This is it. And, you know, the rug right. gets pulled on feet. And I had <laughs> long suspected, and Chris, you know this, even a mm. year before that study came out, I was telling you something is rotten in Denmark. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was saying that on the QT, because, like I say, I don't necessarily, and this is one thing people can take to the bank. I try never to step out of turn, I try never or talk out of turn. If I don't know for sure, I won't publicly denounce anything. I won't publicly point fingers. But behind, you know, if somebody asks me personally, I will always grant them a private opinion of what I think. And people know yeah. that from coming up to me on shows. You know, when uh, I, I do these conventions and stuff like that, people ask me what you think is such and such, and I'll tell them. I have no qualms. I just won't make it publicly. And another thing is, too, is that I don't really have – the level of animosity that a lot of other people do. Um, I think that over the years I've gained such a hard skin that, you know, when the whole Melba Ketchum came out, thing came out, uh, I yeah. didn't hate her. I, I didn't despise her. I did not no. like her. It's just, it is yeah. what it is to me. And, that, and that's, that's the, the plain, simple and truth. I, I'm, I'm very, um, how should you say it? Um, clinical about it. You know, right. if it's a tumor, it's a tumor. If it's not a tumor, it's not a tumor. You know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, it's simple as that. Um, does that make me a bad person? No, uh, I don't think it does. I think that uh, 
you know, I can respectfully argue with somebody. I can respect, I can respectfully disagree with somebody. You know, there's there's a lot of people that have animosity against Dr. Matt Johnson. Well, Dr. Matt Johnson, and, and believe me, I there's a lot of things I do not agree with Dr. Matt Johnson on. That doesn't mean I hate yeah. him, and that doesn't mean he hates me. It says I don't attack a person for what they believe necessarily. Now, do but, I believe what he's saying? Uh, I I have no idea at this point. Um, do I do I have any proof of anything? No, of course not. So I, I'm not going to get my underwear in a bunch over over that stuff. I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick to what the real research is and what, what needs to be done. Now, if somebody's coming out trying to make a big stink about something, you know that that's gaining national attention. You're damn straight. Squatch Detective is going to come out at me, and I'm going to say, whoa, time out, because now it's affecting me and my research and how people purview of me, you know, yeah. and that, that's, that's huge. But I digress. We have gone off uh, enough on this topic. Uh, <laughs> now, speaking oh, of, of, of fringe, fringe ideas, I mean, believe me, the show's going to get fun, and, and I have a special surprise towards the end of this show. And I'm going to give everybody a little little nugget here. I did an interview in 2012. I meant to put it on the radio show, but it never did quite hit the air. Because after 2000, things started getting a little transitional for me, so I was on hiatus for a bit. Um, but I have a two-and-a-half-minute clip of Bob Gimlin and me interviewing him when he was at Chautauqua Lake back in 2012. And it was a fun little interview we did. And uh, Tom Yamarone is on it as well, and he he uh, he pipes in, and it's really really a cool little clip. We have a little bit of a laugh over it, and Bob Gimlin will show you his great sense of humor. So um, so, but that we're going to do good. towards the end of the show. Yes, uh, he's a salt uh, of the earth. I I have got to get out and meet him in person. Uh, I would like to meet him in person before he's gone because, you know, we never know, any of us, how much longer we got. Yep. And uh, I would like to meet him in person. Uh, he's a he's a class act, you know. And the, the a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but uh, the naysayers and the scoptics really talk Bob Gimlin down. And But I think, uh, you know, they're, of course they talk about anybody uh, uh, negatively that anything has to do with anything with Bigfoot, but... I think, you know, Bob Gimlin is one of those kind of people that has a, a good character, you know, for years and years. Uh, he did not receive a dime from uh, Patterson, uh, no. from Roger Patterson or the Patterson estate, you know, afterwards for years. And I don't know exactly how many years it was, but uh, up until only uh, fairly recently, uh I think Patricia Patterson uh, started giving uh, Bob uh, a small royalty I, on the, I, the I feed have no or idea. something. I, 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 no I think that's correct. I think that's correct. That may be, yeah. you know. Truthfully, I don't. I don't. I'd like to find out. There, there. I don't stick my nose into whatever private researchers, right. you know, you know, into their finances. Right. Uh, the only finances I ever stuck my nose into is a particular company out in California that likes to, right. you know, promote and um, stuff that's junk science. And uh, Bob, we all know who that is. We Bob that went is. for years and years and did not get a penny from Bigfoot from the, the video, and uh, he never he never cried foul. 
he never said, "Hey, man, it's a hoax." You know that that was yep. what what was you know understand uh, my understanding of it was uh, if he started out knowing this was all a hoax, which is their argument, um, and he didn't get any money out of it, why wouldn't he say, "Hey, you know, no, this is not real. This is a hoax." No, well, he didn't do while that. We're, while we're on this topic, <laughs> I I actually am going to go out of order of clips here because I was going to do. Um, uh, a clip from 2006, but I'm going to go to a clip we had from 2007, and um, this is the proper clip, and it's John Green talking about Bob Hieronymus. So take a listen to this. Yes, in my dealings with him, he was. Right. Uh, apparently, uh, you know, he he wasn't perfect. None of us. But as far as anything on anything on this subject, and I had a now, mind you, at, at this point, he's talking about Roger Patterson. Yes, in my dealings with him, he was. Right. Uh, apparently, uh, you know, he he wasn't perfect. None of us. But are. as far as anything on anything on this subject, and I had a lot to do with him. He was an ex excellent uh, interviewer. He, I have tapes of some of his better interviews. He did a great job and uh, never was involved in in, in anything that uh, was underhanded at all. Um, you know, as, as you know, there's a book out of somebody who's been finding everything he ever did wrong in his life. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, that 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 bunch of uh, and I uh, I participated in uh, maybe I shouldn't have, but I participated in the over that topic not too long ago. And uh, I, by profession, I'm an investigator, and I just tore into uh, Bob Hieronymus's story big time, and the, and the how it's changed so many different times over the years, and. Um, well, one thing that's certain is Bob Hieronymus was never there. He hasn't got a clue about the geography. Right. That that was one of the big things. My attack is from the, from the, the differentiation in um, the uh, what he had said. I mean, he had first said that he had met Bob Gimlin first, and then a year later he was saying he met Roger Patterson first. And uh, right. those are some pretty big discrepancies. Well, the, the one that is most striking to me is how he totally reversed his story about the suit itself as soon as uh, this uh, costume maker showed up claiming he had made the suit. Described a totally different suit. And, uh, you know, uh, Hieronymus just abandoned the one that he had described and uh, supported the one that... Uh, and I don't think the costume maker had any more to do with it than Anonymous did. But, uh, actually, in, in that book, if you'll uh, reread and consider carefully the witnesses who say they saw a suit in Anonymous's car and what they have to say about it, and the, there's a clear picture there that, that the author never even caught on to. He was so fixed on his own idea. Uh, that Hieronymus did have a suit and was using it to pull pranks in the Yakima area over quite a period. 
uh, and I pre- presume that people assume that he must be the guy in the movie, uh, and that he never denied it. I mean, it, you know, why would he? His, 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 his 15 seconds of fame, so to speak. And probably after these 30-odd years, uh, he made up his mind that the guy who actually was in the suit, because I'm, I'm sure he thought it was a man in a suit, wasn't around anymore, so it wouldn't hurt to when Long really pushed him. Because remember, at first he told Long he had nothing to do with it. But uh, when Long kept after him, he decided, well, sure, I guess I can come out and claim it was me. Well, and, no, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm wrong there because he'd been trying to claim it a, year, a few years before, actually. But anyway, uh, you know, the, what seems quite obvious is that here he's described this uh, horsehide suit, suit, which maybe was the suit he had. And uh, But then when somebody else comes along and says he made the suit for Roger, uh, poor old Hieronymus thinks this guy's telling the truth. So he <laughs> you know, uh, you know, abandons his own story and hitches on to somebody else's. That was a, a great little snippet from wow. the great, the late great John Green about, uh, yeah. you know, the whole Hieronymus thing, and uh, that was probably one of the most phenomenal shows I ever did. I felt like a bumbling idiot talking to him because the man's knowledge was so great, and at the time, I had about quarter of the knowledge I have now about the topic. So, um, you know, and John was always great to correct you if you were wrong, and but he always yeah. did it very politely. You know, being Canadian, he was very polite about it. Mm-hmm. You know, saying, well, you said something there that wasn't quite correct. And then he would go on to correct it, which was great because, you know, he was a mentor to many. Um, and again, speaks to the, uh, at the very beginning of the clip, I had asked him about, uh, a little bit about the assault on Roger Patterson's character. And, um, yeah. you know, here, here's a guy that's been in the field with Roger Patterson. His work with Roger Patterson uh, was there during the whole Frank Curlo incident, which for those who are Bigfoot trivia folks, um, right. Frank Curlo was the first guy ever to say he had a Bigfoot body. And um, there was a lot of, uh, it, it actually set a little feud off between uh, Rennie DeHinden and um, Patterson for a little bit, but yeah. uh, if you think of, if you think about it, uh, you know, and that's the one thing that I, I found out that uh, you know we always called him Renee DeHinden, but John mm-hmm. Green knew DeHinden and called him Rennie, so uh, that's probably hmm. how he passed his name off was Rennie DeHinden. Yeah, cool. But, what uh you know just a tremendous thing and uh, you know I may do a rebroadcast a updated uh you know high def rebroadcast of parts of that and clip it down to like an hour and uh put that out for folks at some point in time uh because that man was truly a legend was there at the start talked to <clears throat> how many people do you know that actually talked to Albert Ostman you know, really? remember yeah. the Osman story? Yeah. He yeah. he actually yeah. sat and took 
I mean, just phenomenal. The man was a giant as far as, you know, a pioneer yeah. in the research thing. He goes back to the very beginnings of American Sasquatch research. Um, and he wasn't even yeah. an American. He was Canadian. And neither was Renee. Back in the, uh, right, back in the 70s when I was reading uh, some Bigfoot books and uh, even the Abominable Snowman books, and when, when they had the, the series of uh, – uh, what I what I call and you refer to them as class the classic sightings, and Albert Osman was always listed in every book. It's in, Albert Osman's Absolutely. story was in more Bigfoot books. Yeah, yeah, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. But, and if you think I about think, it, uh, during, go ahead. Yeah. No, if you think about it, three of the four horsemen weren't even American. You know, yeah. you think about it. John yeah. John Green was a Canadian. Uh, Peter yeah. Byrne was an Irishman. Uh, Rene de Hinden, although he was a Canadian, it came from, I believe, Switzerland or, or one of the Norwegian countries. I, I could, I'm, I'm wrong about wherever he came. He came from Europe. Um, and uh, you know, and Grover Krantz was the huh. only American out of the four horsemen that was, you know, was the only American out of the bunch. Right. But there was other people like Tom Slick. And Ivan Sanderson that get often get you know forgotten yeah. about. Tom Tom yeah. Slick was yeah. the guy responsible financing, uh, you know uh, Peter Byrne and Renata Hinden and John Green to go out right. and and do the the first, uh, you know first Sasquatch investigations and stuff like that. And he financed right. I believe Roger Patterson for a bit too, but then he tragically died in a plane crash. Yeah, Tom Slick was an oil millionaire and he you know. He ended up dying in a plane crash, and that ended a lot of things for a long time. But then you have, yeah. um, you know, people like Bernard Hovelsmans, who was, uh, who Ivan T. Sanderson, you know, labeled the father of cryptozoology. Um, you know, and, and these uh, are names people often forget. But you know, if you want to talk about the seven people that impacted this field the most. You know, Bernard Hovelmans, Ivan T. Sanderson, Tom Slick, Peter Byrne, right. Grover Krantz, uh, Rene DeHinden, and John, and, and John Green. They they were the big seven. And then you have some other people like Roger Patterson, Bob Gimlin, Bob Titmus. Uh, they were they were all involved. Ivan Marks at one time was, was slated to be in that group until he started playing shenanigans and playing games. And that's right. what, you know, that, that ended his uh, being in with that, that group. But, uh, you know, to me, it's, well, you know, it... go ahead. I'm sorry. Did uh, Ivan T. Sanderson, uh, isn't he the one that wrote the uh, the book about, uh, what was it, the Abominable Snowman or what? Man? Yes. The Abominable yes. Snowman yes. or something. I can't remember the yes. exact title, but I've read it. <laughs> I've read it, but that's in the back of my mind. That's from years ago. But uh, it, was, it was an awesome book. Uh, I do remember that. I was impressed with uh, the, I, you know, I love uh, hearing about the sightings, the classics. They were great, and I was always hoping to hear of a new one. You know, every time I read one right. of those books. Well, I remember getting one but, of my first books on the topic was mm-hmm. the Abominable Snowman by Eric Norman, and little did I know that Eric Norman was actually a pen name for John Keel. Now, John Keel was huh. another. Another uh, author that did uh, who in most famous work was the Mothman Prophecies, that was eventually right. turned into a movie. Right, and he recently passed away as well. Yeah. Well, you know that on that clip 
uh, you just just played a John Green. He's more or less defending Roger Patterson's character, and I suppose what what the discussion was before that was uh, we're probably bringing up Greg Long's book about. Uh, oh, absolutely, uh, the that's what we were talking book. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. And uh, in that book, uh, Greg Long points out that. Uh, well, he tries to paint Patterson as like a dishonest, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a charlatan, a con man and stuff. Right. And the thing of it was he pointed to the, the – one of the things he pointed to in the book anyway was that uh, Patterson was sued uh, by the camera rental company that he used because he didn't bring the camera back. And uh, when you think about it, if you had just taken this footage, which you thought would probably be worth millions, uh, you wouldn't want to give that camera back either, would you, Steve? <laughs> but nope. if I nope. had I been Roger Patterson and, and and I had been the one filming what he supposedly filmed, no, uh, I would not. They would, you know, they could bill me for the camera. I'm keeping the camera. I'm sorry, yeah, that's the camera is exactly. mine. It's found a new owner. And, it's uh, a piece of history. That, that would have been all there was to it. Right. Yep. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the thing. You know. Um, yep. So I, I don't necessarily hold that against him. You know, perhaps he uh, he got a little wrapped up in what he was doing, a little too wrapped up to stop by the camera store and say, "Okay, guys, I'm going to go ahead and buy this." You know. But um, I don't hold it against him. Uh, yeah, but you, you know what? Let, let's. Let's look at a bunch of things. Let, let's look at uh, Peter Byrne right. had tax problems. Big deal. Right. right? One yeah. doesn't necessarily mean the other. I, I mean, um, you, you know, one of the caveats of investigation is is that a, a cheating spouse isn't necessarily the murderer all the time. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's one one transgression doesn't mean that all uh, they're they're responsible for all transgressions. Um, you know, yeah. it's very, you know, you may have a burglar that, you know, is burglarizing a neighborhood and there's a murder in the neighborhood. That doesn't necessarily mean that burglar, I mean, yeah, he's going to be a suspect, has to be ruled out. But that doesn't necessarily right. mean that burglar is the, <clears throat> he's obviously a prime suspect for a little while till he can be ruled out. But it doesn't always mean, you know, that he's the one, you know, or the, right. you know, oh, the wife, the wife got killed. It's always the husband. No, it's not. Or it's always the cheating boyfriend. Sometimes it's the husband. So, you know, it, it, you can never, you can never, uh, you know, equivalent one wrongdoing and, you know, not bringing back a rented camera does not mean the man would create a hoax of epic proportions, you know? Right. <laughs> The greatest hoax, you know, of the 20th you know, century. Because there, there's a big, there's a big, there's a big line of you know being fiscally irresponsible or, you know, uh, you know, which hey, I I've been fiscally irresponsible too over the years. I I can't say I haven't, um, you know, but that happens. You know, people get in ruts and whatever, but that doesn't mean they're going to cross the line and become dishonest. Um, yeah, you know, you know, it's like, you know, it's almost like a, a guy who tells a lie to a girlfriend. You know, <laughs> does that mean, you know, you know? Oh, no. uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, honey. I, 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 I was mowing the lawn yesterday. No, I was out shooting pool with the boys. You know, it, you know, you know. Does that, does that, you know, does that mean a person is dishonest about other aspects of their life? No. No, uh, 
you know, it's uh, it's a very the human psyche is a very confusing and, and uh, thing. Yeah. And you know, you know, like I you say, know, one you of know, the other uh, things. Well, while, while we're on it, man, one of the other things that I, I was I was thinking about was uh, uh, also uh, one of the things that Greg Long pointed out that there was no way that they could have had a uh, a private uh, plane or a pilot to fly up there, fly the plane to. Um, uh, what was the name? D. Atley? Uh, yeah, Al D. Atley was the financier, yeah. yeah. D. Atley, okay, yeah. They said that there was no way because the planes were grounded due to bad weather that day. So, But when you look at the Patterson-Gimlin footage, um, does the weather look bad to you? I mean, <laughs> that, 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 is there a lot of snow or anything on there? That's a big negative. That's a big negative. And yeah. my only, my mm-hmm. only, uh, my only thing that I ever w- w- wondered about was, did how in the heck did they get the film developed so quickly? Now, somebody right. when Bob Gibbon was giving his lecture in Chautauqua, and, and like I say, we're going to have that clip towards the end of the show. Uh, when right. Bob Gimlin gave that lecture at the end of Chautauqua, uh, I had a guy come up to me who obviously was a listener of my show. He said, I'm going to ask yeah. that question you've always wanted to ask. And he raised his hand. He says, Bob, how how, how did you get – and he said, well, Al Delatley knew somebody at the Kodak lab. Okay. Right. It's finally yeah. been answered. Okay. No, he knew somebody mm-hmm. at the lab. Um, right. he, didn't, he didn't come across by saying, well, I don't know. No, he said, no, Al, Al said he knew somebody, and that's why they rushed it off to the lab in the manner they did. Let's get this thing to right. You know, and yeah. so that answered my only my only question about the whole thing. And after meeting Bob Gimlin, and like I said, I, I was uh, I had the uh, I was one of the few people in the room to notice a person that uh, uh, one of the writers of Skeptical Inquirer magazine showed up there, and his name is Joe Nickel, and jo- and Joe's an investigator. He's not a ske- he's not a scoptic. He's a skeptic. He looks at things from the other right. point of view. But him and I got right. a long discussion. And I remember, you know, first of all, you know, he goes, I'm surprised you would even say hello to me. I go, you know, I have no problems with skeptics. In fact, I know you worked a lot with Ben Radford for quite a while. And so we right. got we got John a bit. And he says, you know, he goes, I enjoy this stuff just as much as you, you do and everybody else does. I'm just on the opposite side of the argument. Doesn't mean I don't enjoy right. a good mystery. Doesn't mean I don't enjoy the stories and listening to the stories. I just, you know, yeah, I'm just on the opposite side of the spectrum of that, which I respected yeah. him so that. And then the way he did come up, he did yeah. come up to me after me. He went up to Bob Gimlin, shook his hand, talked to him for a little while, and he came up right. to me. He says, "You know, it's really hard for me to call that film a hoax." No, no now that I've met Bob Gimlin. He is just right. uh, one one of those, you know, agreed with me. Uh, he's a salt of the earth type of guy, you know. He just doesn't come off as a, he just comes off as a genuine, warm-hearted, caring guy. And we'll, you'll hear that in his voice when uh, when when uh, you'll hear that clip at the end of the show. It's really a fun clip, and we'll we'll try and play that probably in about a half hour. But we have yeah. like so many other clips to get to. So uh, let's yeah. get to the next John, John Green clip, and then we'll we'll have a little fun after uh, after we get into the discussion. This is him. <clears throat> now he's talking about Ray Wallace, and it's kind of funny because this show always talked about hoaxes and the potential of hoaxes and all that stuff. 
And here we have it. And funny, I, I'm, I have John Green talking on the topic. So it's pretty, pretty okay. cool. Here's John Green. Well, Ray Wallace uh, was head of the company that had the subcontract that was doing the road building. So he was there some of the time. Uh, but uh, he was never there at any time that I was there and several visits. And uh, uh, there's a, a man named Ed Schillinger in uh, Crescent City, California, He's a, a civil engineer. But at that time, he was a teenager who was working as the stake setter on that job. He's the only one left that I know of that was actually worked there. And he says that uh, Ray's main role was lining up other jobs, and there was more than one job going at that time, and they didn't see Ray very often. And what uh, is re really strange about this situation is that with all this publicity about Ray making all of the tracks, absolutely not one shred of evidence has emerged that Ray ever made any tracks. Uh, all that they have is some uh, wooden footprints which don't match any known tracks, um, appear to be carved in imitation but rather crudely of, of a different set of tracks not the original Bigfoot. And, uh, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he that he didn't ever fake any tracks, but there are many people that have carved wooden feet, including myself and Grover Krantz, that, that made them just to, to try to see whether you could make tracks that way. Very good uh, point. Which, in fact, you can't. I mean, you, you can make tracks in... Uh, very specific pliant materials, but to try to match the actual uh, range of things that the tracks are made in and the strides they make and the, the way that uh, the toes move around and so on, there's no way in the world you can do it on, on wooden feet. Well, one, one thing that, that was brought up to me is, is that these... Okay, and you don't need to hear my question. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I actually cut that a little bit later than I thought, but um, but no, uh, uh, you know, he brings up a great point that you know that, and, and that's just being an investigative journalist. And a lot of people forget John Green was a journalist. He was a college graduate, graduated with journalism degree, ran his own newspaper, was a reporter, and that's what got him on the interest of this topic. And and that's what right. he's doing. Is a, a investigator and a reporter do almost the exact same things, except for the uh, the reporters write stories on their investigations, and the investigators, you know, submits their stuff to for prosecution or for whatever, uh, for some sort of judgment somewhere along the lines, uh, whether it be by somebody's spouse, a court, or a, a district attorney. Uh, so. You know, and a reporter just writes their story and lets the people decide. And he was yeah. very clear about saying Ray was really he interviewed this one guy to talk to him about. Well, how often was Ray Wallace here? Well, not very much. So, yeah. So that was well, a that's the point. thing. Uh, the the recovered uh, Wallace uh, stampers, you know, uh, they didn't match any of the important uh, tracks that had been uh, taken, like from. Uh, no. The Patterson Gimlin sandbar track cast, and they didn't match the Jerry crew. Uh, nor there's a uh, Patterson had a, a layered metal print 
from 1964. I'm reading here on it. It says, uh, you know, it didn't match those. But they did match uh, Ray Wallace's tracks, matched the Onion Mountain and Blue Creek Mountain tracks. Yep. So they're yep. pretty pretty similar there. So, you know, he yep. may have done a little hoaxing, but uh, he certainly do, didn't do all the tracks. <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, much like the Smedger thing, maybe he right. was doing that to see who would say these are the real thing. Maybe that right. was his way right. of fettering out charlatans. Yeah, and, yeah. And it never, it never came out. Right. Yep. Uh, you know, that that could be, a, and that's a very convoluted attitude. Uh, I've never, to me, that crosses the ethical lines of why would I right. create a hoax to see if, you know, another researcher is, you know, I, I, and, and that was, believe it or not, there there has been discussions I've had with my own groups at times over the years. And and now my, my, my group is strictly a field research stuff. Uh, we don't necessarily... Uh, go after hoaxes anymore and not not the right. one particular uh I may do it on myself but you know there were there was people at one time I remember you know saying that you know maybe we should do this or maybe we should do that and I'm going no that kind of crosses the ethical line because I will not hoax a hoaxer you know because yeah. you know it's just it's just not ethical I mean once you start doing that you set yourself down a very bad path and a very bad precedent because then people say, well, you hoaxed him. Why, you know, you could be hoaxing us. Right, so, exactly. Right, right, right. So so you, you have to stay away from that stuff. People have asked me for years, you know, hey, you know, why don't we, you know, buy a Bigfoot costume and, and dress up like a Bigfoot on Halloween or something? No, I don't want, I don't want a Bigfoot costume anywhere within a thousand feet of my home. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't want anything to do with that. Nope, nope. Don't want a costume. Nope. Buy one. Somebody tries to get me one for a Christmas gift. It's getting returned. <laughs> you know. So. You know. So that's you know that that's the kind of uh, of things that you know you, you know. And to me, I understand, and a lot of people don't understand, is that you know uh, appearance. Is reality perception is one person's reality? If certain somebody perceives you as a jerk, you're a jerk, you know. And and there's not that's their reality, you know. That, that you know a person's perception is their reality. And unless you can change that perception uh, and show them that it's wrong, um, that perception is remains their reality. And that perception could be transferred to another person. So you you know for for people in Bigfoot research I you know I've always tried to maintain a good appearance of things and have always call tried to call it like I see it I call it like I see it um, and there was one time in my career where I couldn't because yeah. I had too many people around me at the time that could have caused me yeah. a lot of trouble not saying physical but it could cause me a lot of difficulty getting back home. And I will never, ever, yeah. and I haven't, you know, that was a long time ago. I will never put myself in that position ever again. So, yeah. Um, and, and Digger uh, I brought know up that one, uh, too. The, the guys uh, doing the uh, the hoax where they were running across the road and 
in front of cars in a in a Bigfoot or a gorilla costume or something. Uh, the one guy that was drunk or something and got ran over, and uh, that was horrible. It, that was that, that was, was that had a terrible ending. Yeah. Yeah, and you imagine the trauma to the two young girls because I think both the girls were like eighteen and nineteen years old that hit them. They've only been driving for a yeah. couple of years. And this idiot's yeah. got to go stumbling across trying to scare him, and they end up running him down, knocks the body into the other lane, which, you know, the other one finishes him off. Right, right. You know, terrible. Well, what an idiot! What an idiot! You know, uh, you know, people can. I feel sorry for his family, but I don't feel sorry for him because his actions were stupid and that of a moron. And because of those actions, you know, you know, just think for a second. What if the girls saw that, and instead of hitting him? They got so scared they went off the road and rolled down an embankment or crashed right. into a tree and got killed. Exactly. You know, so yeah. So I mean, Terrible. no, it's stupid. But I'm glad, you know. I, I hopefully they have recovered from that psychologically because that that would be that would be um, <laughs> um. There is one little funny thing, that, that little side note, and I, uh, you know, since it happened a few years ago, dare be it for me. Uh, hopefully, this is not too soon, but I can imagine their excitement. All right, I killed the Bigfoot. Oh shit, it's a guy. Right. In costume. Yeah. <laughs> Part of yeah. my French, but <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. Let, I don't usually don't let profanity fly, but that that's the well, exact kind of reaction. Like, oh, I got it. Oh, I didn't. Well, see, that's 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 one of the points that that I try to make. Uh, you know, whenever I have a conversation with somebody about, uh, you know, kill or no kill. And here's the thing, you know, with, yeah, I mean, I, I could see their point that they would need to bring in a body. You know, I think one will eventually turn up. But uh, if they see one out in the woods and shoot it, you know, how do they know it's not some guy messing around, you know, <laughs> wearing, yeah. wearing a, a, a gorilla costume or something. And, you know, I, I expected, uh, I fully expected, uh, uh, anywhere from uh, about two two weeks prior to Halloween, YouTube is usually full of uh, new Bigfoot videos, where people Absolutely. have ordered a gorilla. Yeah, they've ordered or a gorilla costume Day, yeah. for Halloween. Right, right, yeah. But usually, you know, prior to Halloween, uh, where the guys have ordered a gorilla costume and they're out messing around and making films and putting them on YouTube. But uh, I didn't notice too much of that this year. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're saving it for April. April first. Yeah, just uh, the typical Butchie Kid uh, six twenty four or something like that. The Butchie Kid videos. I love to watch those. Those are the, those are the good ones. I mean, if you're going to make a hoax, Bigfoot hoax video, make one where Bigfoot steals a motorbike and rides it away. You know, th- those are yeah, classic. Yeah. Those are great. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or steals the moonshine jug, you know, or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But. Yeah, I, you know the the stuff we have gone through, um, and the stuff we see. I mean, we laugh, but um, yeah. I mean, how insane is that? That a guy is killed trying to fake a bigfoot sighting. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's almost as insane as bigfoot erotica. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, now you're getting you're starting to get political again. Uh, I'm going to bring one out from the politics side here that I just, I just read today. Remember I that was her name. No, I remember her. Yeah, but oh, Cockburn. Forget his the, name, uh, but I remember uh, her name. Whatever reason. 
I did I did come out with one, one today about uh, found out one uh, read one uh, online story about Matthew Whitaker, our new uh, acting attorney general. Oh yes, uh, that whole he, thing. Yeah, he was on a a board of a company that offered a million dollar reward for anybody that could provide evidence that Bigfoot was real. And uh, which I think the name of it, it was World. I don't know, let me look. It was uh, World Patent Marketing Company. Yeah, and, I. Uh, they you started know what? In I, I, 2014. I've never, I've never heard that before. Um, <laughs> world. Watch this. Worldwide patenting patent company. It was World. Uh, world Marketing Company. World and, Marketing. Uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute. World Patent Marketing. That's it. World Patent Marketing. I'm looking at it. Well, we're we're gonna we're doing a uh uh <laughs> Well I think what it well, the company actually was was just a a thing where, you know, if you have an idea uh you've seen those commercials on TV. I don't know, I'm sure everybody has where if you have an idea and you like to get it patented, you call them and then you pay them for their services, and they'll help you get a patent. You know, if if the patent's available for your idea, if somebody else hadn't already thought of it, which you know usually is the typical case. But um, yeah, they had some. I think they're out of business now. <laughs> but he sat on the board there, and I think uh, from what I've read, he did some uh, legal work for them. So other than that. Uh, and lending them lending them his name, he probably wasn't involved in that company very much, and certainly not involved in Bigfoot. But they did offer oh, yeah. a, a one million dollar reward for to anyone that could provide evidence that Bigfoot was real. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just looking at this. Uh, there's actually a mm-hmm. Wikipedia um, article. The funny thing is, is the Wikipedia article right now has, um, out of every single reference on there, with the exception of one, has been from November uh-huh. of 2018. What is that telling you? Right. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Uh Invention. Oh yeah, uh, this was in the, this article was from the Washington Post. So <laughs> right, exactly. So article one yeah. was seven November twenty eighteen. Uh, mm. Reference to uh, no, seven November twenty eighteen. Three. Yeah. Eleven thirteen two thousand eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, according <laughs> to this, it was eight thirty one. Um, right. But uh, but here here's a, there's a story about that. Um. Uh, well, anyway, what it did say was this: is that um, that uh, the actual uh, attorney general was only on the advisory board of them. Right. So it wasn't like yeah. he was a a. And <clears throat> it sounds like to uh, to me, it's talking about the the advisory board. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, one article. There were several articles, but one of them it kind of alluded to that uh, they thought that he was probably just did some legal work for him. You know, rather yeah, he, he was, was not like a he was acting owner. like a, 
he was acting as a spokesman for them a lot of times. Right. So. Yeah. But it so, don't you know. matter either way. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I'm sure I don't know what his thoughts on Bigfoot are, or indeed, even even if he has that. And, uh, and the funny thing is, is that never came up on my radar, and a lot of even Bigfooters are like, "What? <laughs> you know, what what's right. this? Have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of that. Nah, who right. the hell cares? Well, yeah. let's go. Let's go from the world of the fun. Uh, Let's go to the world of the wacky, since we've already been talking about all the hangouts. Check this one out. You, you'll you enjoy this stuff. Here we go. Okay. A lot of people calling my hotline, and I would visit them and, and fill out report forms and so forth. And I met a couple of people that had talked to me about Bigfoot wearing very dirty, filthy leather trousers and some kind of a vest. I also talked to a kidnap, kidnappy person, the person who was kidnapped, who said that he had seen them sewing up leather garments from deerskin to wear. You know, he didn't tell me they were wearing these, but apparently they were making them, maybe for the winter, I don't know. Um, there are also reports in the um, in the, in the board uh, reports books. Um, Janet and Colin Board have these Bigfoot reports. There are a few reports here and there of Bigfoot being in trousers or having a cape, uh, or leading another one that was in a cape by a rope or something. Um, there are also, and to me this is the most intriguing of all, there are some reports of motorists um, seeing somebody by the road, and it turns out to be Bigfoot, wearing human blue jeans that are all ripped up, and looking, um, and a shirt, and looking like really desperate, like, save me, save me, I want to get back to you guys, you know, I want to be back with you guys. Okay, <laughs> it was like one of my favorite segments ever. Oh yeah, sighting uh, a Bigfoot in a cape or being led by one being led on a rope by a cape. Why does Bigfoot need a cape? <laughs> I guess when he goes to a Halloween party, is Dracula. <laughs> and I guess when I clipped that clip many many years ago, um, I, I I remember my immediate response. Now, Chris, this was about. This was actually like my fifth episode out. This was December of 2006. So right. this interview goes back almost 12 years ago. Right. And I remember my comment to Eric after, and of course, this is the late Eric Beckford, who actually yeah. has been gone. Uh, believe it or not, Eric passed away in 2008. So he's been gone for 10 yeah. years. Yeah. And wow. Uh, it seems like seems like yesterday I was talking to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and this guy was the, the the original big bad boy of the Bigfoot world. Um, banned on many boards and people uh, talking about uh, you know him harassing them and and him. I every once in a while I get a wacky call from him and we talk and that would be it. Uh, again, I don't know why I can transgress and uh, be able to talk to mortal enemies of many other people. <laughs> yeah. But but I, I, I remember my comment after he made the saying there was one on the side of a row wearing human blue jeans and a ripped up shirt, you know, all looking haggard. And I go, Eric, that was just a hippie hitchhiking. <laughs> yeah, that's all that was. That was that wasn't a big boy, that was a hitchhiker. Uh you know, uh you know, probably unkempt, unshaved. 
and somebody drove by. I mean, what makes people think a Bigfoot wears a shirt and blue jeans? I, uh, I don't know. Mm, excuse me. But, you know, it seemed like to me Eric would believe every story that came down the pipe. And, uh, yeah. you know, he had no filter. Um, I, I don't know. He supposedly was a member of uh, Mensa, the the, uh, the uh, genius group. But sometimes people who are way too smart, if they can't solve the mystery, they start com- becoming unhinged. And I think that's right. a lot of the reason why we have the paranormal, what I call the paranormalists, or, uh, you know, the, the Bigfoot is, you know, supernatural. Um, yeah. You know, I just, you know, I think it's, they've, they've come, they've become so derailed because everything they've tried has failed. Well, folks, try going out there and catching a deer with your bare hands. Oh, I yeah. have to investigate this. My dog is barking very strangely. Oh. <laughs> oh, never mind. He, he's well, barking at the cat for crying out loud. Okay. <laughs> well, the thing about Eric Spector, though, is he just wasn't interested in only Bigfoot. I mean, he was into UFOs, crop circles, uh, the Loch Ness Monster, you know, all that. Yes, he, was at, he, he was at the lock and actually had a, a video that's made the rounds for the Loch Ness Research Community. Um, claiming that that he had filmed Nessie. Now, I don't know. I was on that lock for nine days in a boat. Uh, Mm -hmm. Actually, I was in the boat probably six out of the nine days or five of the nine days, I forget which, and countless hours. I mean, we were on the boat for hours, um, day and night. And I was also, my my room uh, where I stayed in the hotel, I could see the lock at all times. And I'll tell you what, I saw a lot of things on there that people could misidentify as something swimming or something moving along in the water. So, to me, it's not a big surprise that, you yeah. know, that the vast majority of them um, have have been, you know, ruled out. Um, I have a hard time with the Loch Ness Monster now because it's such a geographically yeah. small area, you know, 23 miles yeah. in it, and yes... It's a deep body of water. It's deeper than the North Atlantic at some points. It's 823 yeah. feet deep. You know, 23 miles long, eight, you know, uh, 823 feet deep. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a big body of water, but it's also landlocked. And the only thing that connects it to the ocean now is the Caledonian Canal, and that was built in the 1700s. Right. Well, the only thing so, I always thought about the Loch Ness, uh, the, the Loch Ness uh, monster was, uh, if it uh, turns out that it is an air breather, I mean, you would think that it would be sighted more often than it is because you know it's got to come up and have a breath of air at some point. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, Even, yeah. Uh, whales, uh, you know, whales are sighted out in the middle of the ocean, you know, popping up and take a breath, and then of course they go back down, and you might not see them again because. By the time they pop up next time, they might be out of your visual range. But, uh, yes, but it then is an air breather, but we don't know. The, yeah, but then again, the argument against the Loch Ness Monster is pretty bad, too, because I heard people yeah. and some scientists over there say, well, there's not enough food in the loch. Well, why are there right. salmon fishermen in the loch? In fact, our our boat was pretty close to a, fa- a, a salmon fleet, and they got pretty nasty about us coming close to them. Because they thought we were going to steal their salmon. Right. And, and we also 
you know, we had some sonar echo uh, uh, hits, we, you know, showing a large schools of fish. We, we actually had right. somebody running the, um, the hydrophones, which is the underwater microphones. And, again, we caught mm-hmm. a bunch of uh, a, a series of fish. That the, the, even the wildlife biologist said, yeah, that, that's a, a pretty large school of fish. So is the food available yeah. in there? Yeah. So I, I don't get it with that as far as I'm saying it doesn't have enough food left. Well, yeah, if, there, if, there's enough, if there's enough food there for fish, then there's enough fish for something else. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, exactly. Uh, Steve, yeah. do you need to change your battery? I'm getting a noise here, bud. It's some, okay, uh, is that any better? We okay, we got That's it better, fast, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah, good. All right, man, we're at, uh, I'm, I'm looking at uh, 12 after the hour here. You really want to hear that Bob Gimlin clip, don't you? I want to hear, yeah, I want to hear Bob Gimlin, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, you know, you got to keep people in suspense sometimes. You got to keep them hanging around. Oh yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So let me set this clip up. Uh, in the background, actually, I think Billy Willard was talking. He was giving his presentation at the Chautauqua Lake uh, uh, Bigfoot Expo, and I was hanging out and I was uh, getting ready to uh, give Bob a, a quick interview. It was kind of a cutesy little thing. Right. Wanted to ask him about how it felt to be in New York. Blah blah blah. Well, here we go. Hey, this is Steve Coles, and we're at the Chautauqua Lake Bigfoot Conference and Expo. I'm here with Tommy Emerone and the legendary Bob Gimlin. And uh, just want to thank you guys for coming out here to New York. And uh, so what's it like being out here in New York to actually be part of this, Bob? Well, hey, it's all my pleasure to meet folks like Steve and everybody here. This is incredible for me. And I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for Tom Yammeron uh, to kind of get me, you know, to travel with me and stuff because uh, I'm a little long in the tooth, so I don't do things with uh, computers and so forth, and I really don't uh, go through the terminals real well. But to be here with this convention is just, it's a, it's, I can't even hardly explain it. It's such an incredible thing to meet all these wonderful people. And yeah. uh, and just be here with Tom. It's just Steve. been great. I got to say, thank you, Steve, for having us and Larry and Peter and everybody here, Melissa. And, and it, it's just been an amazing time. I think people will be really surprised to come to Lake Chautauqua and see the area and meet these people. It's a whole new group of interested people interested in Bigfoot. And, and Bob, do you feel somewhat vindicated by the people coming up to you every year and just? wanting to be with you and hang out with you. Well, well, it's an honor. I, I really appreciate it because it's an honor, and I hope I don't ever short anybody because I don't intend to. I'd like to meet each and every person that attends these and visit with them personally, but it, it, it's almost impossible. But for this to do this, you know, it's a, it's a highlight of my life this year. Of course, the year is still early, but it's probably going to be the highlight of my entire year. Uh, but thank you again, Steve. And, and I know there's one more question that's been on everybody's mind. Did the TSA make you take off your boots? <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yeah, we did. And I don't like that. Uh, uh, when I have to take my hats and my boots both off, then that's a double whammy for me. <laughs> we had a smooth trip this time. Uh, going to Ohio, we had some trouble. But uh, this was good. Well, I don't want to keep you guys. I want to thank you for coming to New York, Bob. It's been my pleasure, and thanks for 
doing this for me. Steve, thank you so very much. It's been a pleasure to have your acquaintance. Uh, absolutely. Thank you very much, Steve. Yeah, okay. It's great to be Tom, here. Same here. That was awesome. Do you like the TSA question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's ready. Now, yeah, that is just that a, a good old-fashioned, uh, well-mannered, uh, uh, high moral character man right there. Oh, uh, absolutely. And I got to tell you, I, uh, I, uh, I, I remember he had the cabin next to mine. And or mm-hmm. cottage next to mine. I went over next to the cottage, and Tom had his guitar out. He was sitting on the couch, and Todd Prescott, uh, who's been on the show before many years ago, uh, yeah. w- was there. And I-, I came walking in, and Bob gets up from his chair, slides over to the next, you know, slides over to the next chair at the table, and shoves the other chair. Come on, Steve, have a seat. You know, just wow. plain <laughs> as anything. You know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. What an honor and a pleasure it was to get to spend some time with him, and um, yeah. just a you know the stories he told, um, you know just just unbelievable. And he is a ladies' man, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but that's just his you know gentlemanly nice and his charm, right? And he is re- really sharp at remembering people's names, and. Um, you know, it was just—it was really cool to to have that recorded on on, on interview. Um, well, you I know, think it's it, you I, know that's just that's just part of his character. Uh, he's genuine, you know, and uh, you know that 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 is attractive, you know, and, and I'm I'm sure some women find that <laughs> that quality attractive as well because you don't find many genuine people out there anymore. You know, always yeah. somebody got something up their sleeve. Well, not only that, but, you know, he's right. He does try to spend time with as many people as he can to the point where yeah. Tom or I'm sure now Russ has to, come on, Bob, we got to go. We got time. To, we got a schedule. We got to go. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. and, and, but it was nice to get a few minutes with him while people, were, you know, while everybody was sitting and talking, uh, Billy was talking, people were at their seats and listening to Billy. I managed to scoot over and get that done real quick. Um, yeah. And you know what? The funny thing is, is I I don't believe I've ever aired that before on the radio show. I had meant to, but no. I never did. Uh-uh. I had never did it, and you know, um, you know that was uh, Chautauqua Lake. I got to look at that. Was in? I'm sorry, that was 2013 that that had happened. Yeah. So that was that was five years ago, and I never never really managed to get that on the air until now. Which is kind of cool, yeah. and um, yeah. you know, I figured that that would be this would be the opportune time to play that, um, and um, you know, give everybody a listen to it. Yeah. Well, I had never heard that, and I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I would like to have met the guy, and uh, if he comes uh, near Ohio, uh, around about within uh, you know a, a day or two driving, easy driving. Uh, I'm going to get out and meet uh, Bob. I've talked to him on the phone. Uh, our good friend. Uh, oh, oh gosh. Oh no, my brain. I just went blank. Uh, <laughs> he was on Abe Del Abe Del Rio. I'm sorry, Abe. I forgot your name there for a second, but he came back. <laughs> Abe Del Rio had Bob on his show, and I had called in uh, that night and uh, talked with Bob some on the phone. And he's a really, really nice guy. Um, 
uh, I would, you know, I love to meet him in person before I'm gone, before he's gone, you know. And uh, if he gets close enough to me where I can get out there, I'm sure going to do it. But I don't think uh, he's still living in. Uh, is he living in uh, Oregon now or Washington? Where does he live? No, he's still. Uh, I believe he's uh, still in uh, Washington. Washington, yeah. That's 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 a little bit out of reach for me. I'd have to get on a plane, and I really don't like doing that either. But uh, I really would like to meet him <laughs> and, and have a good old uh, good old boy discussion. Just sit down and talk, chew the fat, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Yakima. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, Yakima. Yakima. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Oh, uh, I don't know. The world that, that left me because I used to, when I was a, a young boy, uh, there was a place called Yakima Bait Company. And I remember you would send them a self-addressed stamped envelope and a dollar or something, and you could get their uh, catalog. They made fishing lures, and they were really, yep. really good lures. And, and I really I, I raked in on the fish. Um, we used to fish for largemouth bass around here, and I really raked in the fish using their lures. And everybody else was wondering, you know, where the heck are you getting this? You know, well, where'd you come up with that bait? Oh, I just got it. This old bait, I got it. <laughs> and that, and I was getting, I was getting them from the Yakima Bait Company out of Washington through mail order. But uh, yeah, those are the days. Well, hey, hang on a second. Mm. We have a call. We have a caller. Hang on, Chris. Here it is. Oh, Hello, okay. you're on the air. You're on the air. A lot of people calling my hotline, and I would visit them. And, and oh, you might even have a parallel universe where where Tom Biscardi is honest. <laughs> oh, that's one of my <laughs> I doubt that. Uh. <laughs> John Eric Vector calling in from the grave, from beyond the grave. <laughs> parallel universe. Parallel universe. He was talking about Sasquatches in parallel universes, and he got really off on a tangent. Yeah. And then he just came out with yeah. me in the parallel universe. First time, Scardy's honest. I'm like, wow! <laughs> oh, Lord, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know, I, I should have set that clip up with the phone ringing. Oh, wait on, we got a call. Oh, it's from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. It's Spectre. It could be from hell, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, he was a case. He was interesting. Um, uh, I don't know if it's still online now, but, you know, uh, if anybody can, do a search for Eric Spectre's uh, blog. And see if it is still online because it's been a few years since I've looked uh, looked it up. But his blog, if you read his blog, I, I, I promise you, you will split your side. You will have pains in your side laughing because it is hilarious. Uh, matter of fact, I'm on the computer now. I'm going to type it up and see if it comes. Um, <laughs> if I'm still... looking, and I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily see it. Well, it's kind oh, of funny man. though. Yeah, well, you Google his name, and believe it or not, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one down is my blog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on but, Google here, and it's uh, coming up the second, the second one. 
man. Oh, man. That oh, he was on David Letterman. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, he actually managed to... Uh, actually, that's interesting. His actual name, his first name, real name was Cedric. Never knew that. Where well, in the heck is that at, man? But, uh, but never, never anyway, if uh, if anybody's got a minute and or a little time, since it's cool weather, and uh, it's going to be some cold weather soon, a lot of people, you're stuck inside. If you're browsing the Internet, just do a search for Eric Bechter, John Eric Bechter's blog and see if you can come up with it. If you could find it, man, it's, it is well worth the read because it is hilarious. And, uh, you know, just have to take it with a grain of salt, of course. But keep in mind that, that Eric Beckjord was a character, and uh, he investigated lots of things and had lots of different theories, which, uh, you know, uh, basically about all I could say. I don't know whether I agreed with any or, or some, but... Uh, his blog was definitely worth reading. Yeah, it was, it was kind of funny, but yeah, it, 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 it's it's in the it's in the uh, the nether world right now. Apparently, there's his yeah. blog. So, so, uh, but uh, what a well, what that a was the thing that I was worried about. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. I was going to say we're we're winding down. Uh, we got like. Four minutes left of the show before we were actually three minutes left of the show before we got to kick off. But uh, oh. it's been a fun ride down memory lane for a lot of it. Yeah. And the beautiful thing yeah. is, is that if we ever want to do a show like this again, we have plenty more material to delve into. You know, from retired, yeah. retired uh, Doctor Henner uh, Wolf Henner Farnback. Um, I, I would have mm-hmm. loved to have time to talk about some of his stuff. Um, just yeah. so many other witnesses uh, from uh, my, my good buddy John, who passed away years ago, to Dan Gordon, who passed away a few years ago as well, who had some really great sighting stuff. So if we ever need to go down memory lane, we have plenty of material to draw from. I don't know how many episodes we've done on this show. I've never really counted, but it's been a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I've been with you since uh, sometime in 2010. And you were started back in 2006 or yep. so, so that's a lot of episodes. Of course, we've been on hiatus uh, every now and then, too, but, uh, you know, things happen. Uh, people get bypass surgery and signal things like that. <laughs> <laughs> in between the good good times and bad times, you know, we're usually here. <laughs> that's right. Usually it's the good times we're here. The bad times we're <laughs> licking our wounds and not crying about it. So. <laughs> You're right. We just lick our wounds and move on. Um, that's right. That's right. But, uh, well, I, I hope everybody has enjoyed this wonderful trip down memory lane for this time. Again, next week at 9 p.m. Eastern on Sunday night, we will have on Susie Mateus from the Bigfoot community. And uh, she'll be a fun talk to because uh, he's. It was from California, and now she's back down in the south in Oklahoma, so it'll be fun talking about all kinds of stuff with her. Uh, maybe we'll even get some inside scoop on our lovely excursion we had to the uh, Holiday Inn Lounge, uh, <laughs> where uh, we were all uh, having a couple of cocktails, uh, laughing that Dyer tried to hoodwink us and really didn't. Um, yeah. 
But uh, it is what it is, and uh, it was what it was. But uh, we have that <laughs> next week, so we're looking forward to uh, to all that. And uh, again, I want to wish everybody a, 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 a happy Thanksgiving this year. Uh, this Thursday's Thanksgiving, so everybody oh, give yeah. yourself the bird. Everybody, yourself, give yourself a bird. <laughs> So, uh, and good to see you back in the chat there, Digger Dog. Um, but, yep, uh, so we'll catch you all next week here on Squatch Detective Radio, 9 p.m. Eastern here, Sunday nights, exclusively live on Blog Talk Radio. But you can also find us at SquatchDetectiveRadio.com. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play Store, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher Radio. So, uh, of course, everybody have a great week. Chris, happy Thanksgiving, brother. You too, Steve. See you next week. All right. Catch you all next week, folks. Thank you for listening to Squatch Detective Radio. Join us each week on Blog Talk Radio, Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern, as your hosts, veteran Bigfoot researchers, Steve Culls and Chris Bennett, bring you guests from around North America, exploring the mystery of the beast known as Bigfoot. Bigfoot.